didn't sleep, what you do, and, and why sleep? Oh, so awesome. Well, number one, so great to be here. I've loved your work. You're just really on the forefront of kind of um, how to innovate in this world of health and well-being. And certainly it's clear to me that sleep is uh, very important to you and the work you do. So thanks so much for having me here. This is awesome. Um, and yeah, why sleep? How in the world did I get into this uh, path in life? Because I can tell you it wasn't part of the original plan. Uh, and, and yet I'm so grateful to be, to have given my life to this topic of sleep. So, uh, how that began was that it, it started with, I think of my life in a three part series, really. I think of it as before I had truly what I think of as almost this like sleep breakdown, a rock bottom in my life and how it manifested was with, uh, a sense that sleep may or may not come to me and that I have no control over it. That's kind of at its lowest point, right? But before I got to that, um, I just had a lot of labels and narratives with my sleep. I said a lot of things like, I'm a night owl, I'm a short sleeper, I'm a bad sleeper, it's in my genes. And then some of these longer, you know, narratives of I'll sleep when I'm dead. Uh, you know, it's just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's a mental mind over, you know, uh, matter kind of conversation. A lot of these ways of navigating and framing this relationship to sleep as something to really just survive. Like it was fixed state for me in my brain. That's how I related to it. Um, so it was just a matter of getting through it. And I didn't investigate beyond that um, and did not connect the dots when I was getting sick more and more often. I was getting the beginnings of an ulcer. I had shingles in my 20s. You know, all these signs that probably things were not going so smoothly um, as how I was relating and managing my health and well-being. Um, and it, yet it was not until, no pun intended, this kind of wake-up moment in my life when I went through this massive period of insomnia. I was an um, entrepreneur in Manhattan, burning the candle at both ends, uh, lots of ups and downs and stressors any entrepreneur can likely relate to. Um, and how this got manifested for me was this period of total insomnia where at its worst, I, the sun would go down and my heart would start racing of like, I can't face another night, just not sleeping and staring at the ceiling and a sense that I have no control. That's really how I felt that there was nothing that I could do in my brain. Later we find out it's not the case, but at the time, that's how it felt. Um, and so at one of the lowest points, I went to the doctors in Croatia, actually, it's a longer story, but I was traveling internationally throughout this whole period. I had uh, been very influenced by Tim Ferriss, if anyone's a Tim Ferriss fan, and had decided to put, you know, all my belongings into storage by a one-way ticket. This is going to totally change my life. Digital nomad, here I come. But uh, with much too much stressors and responsibilities to actually make that all work at the time. Um, and so I went to the doctors in Croatia just, you know, after nights and nights of not sleeping and left with sleeping pills, their version of Ambien. And in that moment, seeing that, all right, I've got to really take this on um, and Part of the background for me, too, was coming from a family of seeing a lot of people go down the path of pharmaceuticals. Um, and and then years down the road, then be dealing with some of the ramifications of long-term pharmaceutical use, especially as it relates to sleeping pills and in the benzo category and D-drugs and 
what have you. So seeing what that looked like was very fearful for me that I was going to be on that path. Um, so that really did incite this uh, fire to figure this out. So what ended up coming on the other side was actually what I'm so grateful for because it brought me down this rabbit hole, spent a lot of money, time, energy, effort to get my sleep not only back to where it had been, which I shared wasn't even that great beforehand, so homeostasis that as I had known it, um, but then getting to actually see, oh my gosh, it wasn't true, those labels and narratives that I'm a bad sleeper, I'm a short sleeper, I'm a night owl, it's in my genes. Um, it actually, I got to transcend that and get to a really optimal and quantifiably great sleep on the right side of the bell curve, which I didn't even think was possible for me. Changed my whole life, couldn't stop talking about it. Uh, so then just organically, what ended up coming about was these small groups um, led into what we now have today, which is sleep is a skill. So really standing in this conversation that sleep is a skill set in our modern society. Um, and so from that place then teaching the findings of the latest in chronobiology, particularly the science of time and how time affects our biology um, and looking at circadian rhythm entrainment is part of our key um, approach to improving people's sleep. So now we have online courses, we have a um, number two sleep podcast where we have uh, top experts in the world come and speak routinely uh, two times a week now on sleep optimization and ways to optimize your sleep. Um, we have a particular niche in poker. If you think of people that are uh, really at a disadvantage from a circadian rhythm perspective, poker players are certainly that, and casinos that are built on purpose to confuse your circadian rhythm. Um, so they've been really part of our bread and butter, but we also work with everyday individuals looking to improve their sleep. So I say all that because no matter where you might be in your sleep journey, whether maybe it's not as, um, you know, uh, it's kind of at that place of feeling disempowered, or maybe it is, um, or maybe you just would like to improve, uh, you know, in, in general or optimize your health and well-being, get even better than you are, um, wherever you fall on that spectrum, I am convinced that there are um, steps and actions that you can take and to use sleep as your lens by which you transform your health and your life. Molly, I love that passion you have for sleep. And there's so many parallels there. Being an entrepreneur, yes. often people are taught that, hey, hustle, hustle, sacrifice your health now, especially your yes. sleep. If you're sleeping seven or eight hours, you're seen as like, you're not working hard enough, your business is going to fail. When in actual fact, and I was seeing that uh, a video the other day by um, that entrepreneur from Blueprint, Adam yes. Johnson, and he was talking about how literally you don't have the energy to function and make good decisions if you're not sleeping well, right? And, and you've kind of really hammered that home, how important sleep is and optimizing it. And if you ignore that for years, you're literally sacrificing even your business decisions, how successful you could be. And then the worst thing is your mental health and your health long-term is going to be impacted. I mean, it took you a lot of money and time to get back on track, right? And now you obviously have the skills and you're doing a great job by letting other people improve their sleep as well. But I mean... Back then, sleep has become more important now, especially with like Matt Walker and people talking about it. But when you're going through this journey, there wasn't many people no. talking about sleep, right? This has become more of a trendy topic now, and I hope this continues. And I see on your on your uh, finger, you're wearing yes. a ring, aura ring as well. Totally. Same one. Uh, which color did you go for, by the way? What's that? Which color oh, do you yes. have? Oh, yes, I have the silver now. I used to have um, that stealth model back in the day. 
but now I have I have that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can share too with Aura Ring. Um, we have a particularly large data set of Aura Ring users uh, outside of research, although we are going into the research um, space, but outside of research for yeah. sleep optimization specifically, because we do require every person that we work with to wear the Aura Ring bare minimum. And many people have um, similar to you know some of our conversations and some of the people I think that we're uh, familiar with might have many other wearables that they're also using as well. Yes, exactly. I know I'm charging, um, I've uh, taken off my whoop uh, for the sauna, so, <laughs> but, but yes, got the whoop, yeah, the bio strap, some people got Muse, Apple, you know, the whole world of it, um, but certainly at least using Aura Ring as our bare minimum and using their Teams dashboard. Um, and I think to your point and um, letting you get back to, to all that, but just underscoring what you said, it's so important that I think we're at this really cool time now where we're meeting this digital age um, and the digital age almost getting to be like this accountability buddy or like, uh, you know, parent in a lot of ways that just, like, puts a mirror up to what's really kind of going on in a lot of ways with our sleep. Now, are they infallible and are there, you know, things that we'd like to improve and consumer grade trackers, of course, but with the breadth of knowledge that we get from um, just some of the basics, like what time are you going to bed? What time are you waking up? How many wake ups on average are you having? Um, all of that sort of information, including things like heart rate and HRV and respiratory rate, all those can be incredibly impactful for us understanding where we're at and then course correcting from a behavioral change perspective and raising red flags that might be there to then get checked further for possible sleep um, pathologies. Molly, I think the audience would love to know what your sleep stack is. What are your, what do you do for your sleep? And I often get the question, we talked about Aura Ring. Why should someone use Aura Ring? I mean, you've gone into it, data and quantified self was a big movement. And if we don't know and we're not tracking, we don't know where we're going wrong, yeah. right? So have you seen, I mean, you said you've worked with a lot of different clients, people when they start using a wearable improve their sleep instantly or does it still take a lot of effort and, and you know, behavior? Yeah, uh -huh. So both Great questions. Oh my God, you're like me. <laughs> I'm almost like, I've asked about 20 questions in this one question because it's the curiosity, right? Like, I, I, oh, we're so similar. Yeah. Okay, um, so one, I would say with your question or when people start using their wearable um, and how long does it tend to take, you know, as they start to implement and make actual real change. Um, so I've definitely seen a range for this now. It, I do believe it's been really shocking um, the speed by which many of the people now, I, I do have a particular group of people that have a particular um, framework, meaning that anyone that's coming my way that's willing to put themselves into, you know, 10 week plus long programs, sometimes longer, sometimes six month programs um, on optimizing their sleep, presumably pretty coachable, willing to investigate and look at their lifestyle um, and make some changes and kind of, um, we like to bring about this curiosity perspective and, uh, you know, N equals one test and, um, and modify kind of ethos. So granted, they're a type of people that's particularly well suited for some of these things. However, uh, what I would say is I've seen in really as short as a few weeks, people starting to have massive levels of awareness where they're starting to make new changes with the data that's presented to them, of blind spots emerging. Particular blind spots that I, start to, I see often 
are things like wake up time, so basic and yet so profound where people say, oh yeah, I wake up around the same time, no big deal. But then when they actually are met and faced with that black and white data of, yeah, maybe you are kind of solid around four or five days a week. And then the weekends, it's like they're getting on a plane and going, you know, three, four time zones every single week and having to adjust. They might not have connected the dots or seen it in that particular way until they see the data. One very small example. Um, So what I would say is, I'd say on the short term, there's often things that people can do um, by being presented with this data. The other big one I see is HRV, where people start to have this new really uh, appreciation for managing their nervous system in a way that they might not have, because you could, you know, just talk yourself out. Oh, maybe I'm a little stressed, but no big deal. Everyone's stressed, or whatever narratives you might have. When you see the data it's kind of undeniable where you're at and if you're deviating off your baseline or you know, in a, in a at your baseline or above. So all of those things allow for us to take new actions and informed actions relatively quickly if we do have that um, one framing that sleep is a skill and that we can get better, two, that we're not getting bogged down in the nocebo effect where we start to see the poor data points come out, which sometimes we do begin like that, um, and yet we're not com- kind of getting overtaken with that in a sense that, well, I'm just bad and I'm you know, a bad sleeper, my health stinks, I guess I'm stuck like this, and then kind of you know, just um, lower your set point of what's possible. Um, so I think by blending that psychology, by having a plan and educating yourself around sleep and then getting to uh, experiment and see the profound differences that come about um, measurably with your sleep. I think that can be super empowering and exciting and hopefully in a weird way, um, now people might not like this, but in a weird way kind of addicted to the sense of feeling good. I mean, I often say this, I feel like I'm addicted to feeling good at this point in my life. Um, so it allows me to then do, to answer your question around the stack of things, um, it allows me to do some of the things that are in the stack, right? because I want to feel good now. I didn't know I could even feel this good every day because I used to wake up with headaches and, you know, feel like zombie girl. Uh, And (laughs) I just thought that that's how it was for me. Uh, And to know that it could be another way is incredible. So what stack have I seen that can, uh, for myself and for many, seems to make the difference? This is where it gets into that ethos of Uh, Some of the latest that's coming out in chronobiology, the science of time and how time affects our biology, um, is truly most of the things that I see make a difference for myself and for people that I work with are circadian health uh, related. So circadian in nature. So meaning that if they are behaviors that facilitate a strong circadian rhythm and, you know, maybe I should define circadian rhythm, it's, you know, this um, around a 24 hour rhythm that a set of physiological and uh, psychological effects from this time that we're all set up on as diurnal creatures, diurnal creatures meaning we're meant to be active by day and at rest at night. Um, When we have these things working in tandem and there's consistency and count honorableness and our environment matches our behaviors and these inner clocks, then things seem to work. When they're off kilter, things are not working as well as they could. We know the World Health Organization lists, you know, shift working as a possible uh, carcinogen. So it's clear that 
uh, veering too far off of these rhythms can be problematic. And we're only just starting to understand um, what are the, or the profound effects of certain behaviors and environmental cues that might be influencing these things. Um, so the behaviors that strengthen our circadian rhythm to make it very strong circadian rhythm and, and aligned, um, I see really make a difference with sleep as well as technology and gadgets that facilitate that process. Um, the things that I see not often making much of a difference, honestly, um, are things large, I don't know, this is not to supplements and certain medications and stuff, it's a big topic and I don't want to just, you know, broad stroke, uh, you know, paint to that. But I will say that I often see some of the top questions that I'll have people ask, what's the best uh, sleep supplement to get me to sleep? Because I'm sick of, you know, not sleeping. Um, and largely we want, we can of course look at this, we want to test and no one knows this more than you. Uh, and yet, um, so we of course want to have that be a part of the process, but if we are not standing in that, um, place of that circadian entrainment, uh, I really believe that you're missing out and often wasting money in a lot of ways, um, on the things that can make a difference. So what does that look like on the ground? Um, so a lot of the things that I do, I literally moved, uh, where I live geographically because health geography is a facet of some of your, uh, effects of your overall health and well-being, and certainly your sleep. So I do live in Austin, Texas now, which does have a lot of days of sunlight, uh, stronger sunlight. I've been someone that had been in New York and Maine, um, growing up, lived in Maine, lived in Manhattan for many, many years, um. And you got to experience what that sort of climate looked like on my health. Uh, now get to experience what uh, living in a southern latitude location does for my health and well-being. So um, one, just even getting clear on the fact that where you choose to live is going to impact your health and your sleep. So that's an important place to begin. Um, and then from that place, because I am in this southern latitude location now, I know not all of us can necessarily just get up and move, um, but take that into consideration. So you want to, if you are in a northern latitude location, this is almost even more important for you to uh, kind of understand and learn the skill set, because then you have even less of an opportunity to get some of this bright light exposure in certain parts of the year and times of the year and times of the day. So you want to become really, really skilled in what you can do to make a difference um, with this light environment, which is our top most important zeitgeber or time giver for strengthening your circadian rhythm. So I would, I know I've been saying a lot, so I'll stop here, but light, dark cycles, um, being one of the first places that I begin for myself and for others in managing their sleep and really measurably making a difference with their sleep results. I absolutely love that. And guys, this is why I'll be moving from the UK to the US <laughs> and now on this podcast because we just get cloud in the UK. We don't get light. Like I'm going to be honest in, in the US, you've got a lot of, you know, places like Austin, Texas, where you have so much sun and I know seasonal affective disorder as well, influenced by the, by the sure. light um, and, and good timing because the light is shining on your face right now. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, so it's a beautiful, <laughs> I happen to be, it's beautiful timing. So, funny too, um, so my husband's on another podcast and normally I'm in this other spot. Yeah. So I'm usually not here. So I'm not as familiar with like the light tendencies in this room. So I'm like, let me find a pocket of light. No, it's amazing. I mean, the light, it's, it's the perfect glow. I wish we had light here right yeah. now as well. But what you're saying makes, makes so much sense. And, um, you know, sleep as a skill 
think of it that way, like we think about is exercise. Often we think of exercise as a skill, right? You get better at bench press, you get better at playing tennis, you get better at sports. So why not think of sleep that way as well, right? You can improve your sleep, you can get better habits, you can start disciplining yourself. And like your sleep stack makes a lot of sense. I mean, even moving to Texas for your sleep from New York, which is, you know, obviously a busy, buzzy city. Um, I'd love to know. So a lot of my audience, you know, a lot of women often ask about, you know, the menstrual cycle and how sleep changes. Is there anything that you know about, you know, how sleep can be different at different phases of, you know, someone's menstrual cycle or how a menstrual cycle or hormones might affect your sleep? Oh, absolutely. And congratulations on the move. That's going to be incredible. Um, and I don't, I hope I'm not leaving people that are in Northern latitude locations in this state of, well, <laughs> what about me? Um, because certainly I've been there and I work with a lot of clients that are at Northern latitude locations. Um, so I will say that one, I think there's an opportunity for those people to get particularly curious and learn uh, the skill set as you spoke to. This is the thing that we do a third of our lives on average, 26 years for the average individual is spent sleeping. So it behooves us to learn just a little bit about this area. And unfortunately, and this is why I'm so um, thankful for the work you're doing, out of our, at least in America, um, systemically, we have a structure in which sleep is um, not heavily prioritized um, for you, you go to your primary care. The average primary care doctor has run two hours of training in sleep. So those uh, things that might have an opportunity to be caught, so those red flags could be missed, unfortunately, in our current system. Now, this is not to uh, speak on, uh, illy of doctors, because I know they would love to know about some of these things, uh, many of them, and yet just the, the, the system by which we're um, set up at the moment is facilitating this. Um, so because of that, then we have an opportunity to really advocate for ourselves, to learn, um, and then to make sure that we are, if we are noticing some of these signs that could put us at a disadvantage with our sleep, that we are taking it upon ourselves to get the sleep test, to get referred to the sleep specialist that can help make a difference with our um, troubles with our sleep, et cetera. Uh, so yes, it is a skill, 100%. Thank you for, for uh, underscoring that. And then on the topic of women and sleep, oh my goodness. So I know that in your original question on the sleep stack, um, you know, I really only touched on light dark cycles uh, and that's uh, mentioned zeitgeivers are a clear, this is kind of a, a word referring to time givers and how that can strengthen our circadian rhythm. Uh, but there's many others, and this bleeds into uh, women and their infradian rhythm. So for I'm talking a lot about circadian rhythm, around a 24-hour rhythm, but there also is this infradian rhythm, rhythms that last longer than a day. Uh, and so examples, you know, the moon, uh, hibernation, uh, you know, all of these things that are outside in the, um, in the realms of things that are going to be lasting longer than a day. One of the perfect examples is women uh, and our menstrual cycles. And so these cycles are really, really fascinating because not only are women of menstruating age uh, needing to be mindful of that circadian rhythm, but they also absolutely want to be mindful of their infradian rhythm. So it's a whole other area of study to get more connected to. And this is another place where wearables shine. Oh my goodness. So being able, for example, um, with the Oura Ring and Whoop do a great job both of tracking your bodily temperature. So if you are um, 
if you're able to then be tracking your cycle now, there are complications if you are um, on birth control and certain other considerations, but uh, hopefully, at least in this conversation, with your temperature, you can um, help to automate the tracking of where you're at in your cycle, as well as now uh, natural cycles is linked up with aura ring. So then you can help even if you are on your on birth control or other considerations that you can log where you're falling. Uh, and from that place, you can start to get way more connected to uh, some of the changes that are happening on average, and I'm gonna talk in super generalities, uh, but on the second half of your cycle, so around the second two weeks, um, and that's in leading into your luteal phase for most people, and of course, this, there's a lot of ranging for each individual, um, but we tend to see this part of why women were excluded from a lot of uh, test uh, studies for a long time because we just had way too many variables uh, for uh, you know a nicely organized study. Now we now do have regulations and laws that we are included in more studies more routinely, but for a long time there was a reason because we had all these extra variables and you would often see that our heart rate would be going up on the second half of our cycle and HRV going down in the second half of our cycle, um, body temperature often going up. So just this uh, point to, and respiratory rate as well going up, and all pointing to that we're having just more of a difficulty in recovery and in the ability for us to tap into that parasympathetic response routinely. So just really broadly, um, for those that are new to this topic of, wait, my sleep and my cycle, and then I can track these and point to them, all of these things can be game-changing for a lot of individuals. Um, so once you start doing that, then you can start making choices around that time of the uh, of your cycle to facilitate more of a parasympathetic response at the times that you might want to garner that. So meaning you're in luteal, your HRV has been trending down, your heart rate's been trending up. This could be a time where you know the hardcore interval training might not be the wisest for us. The extra glass of wine at night, the late night, you know, popcorn is always my <laughs> popcorn's my kryptonite. Like I'm. It's like a big topic for me. Uh, and I always want to have that late night, you know, popcorn with the movie and the whatever. No. Uh, so so when we start to learn that our meal timing affects our circadian rhythm, really fantastic research um, out of the Salk Institute uh, with Dr. Sachin Panda. We just had him on the podcast, which was like amazing. So I said that I released that. That's coming out soon. But um, just incredible information on even the timing of your meals. So all of those things that could impact your circadian rhythm and your sleep, then those are particularly times when you're at a bit of that physiological disadvantage. Um, and I don't mean to say disadvantage because it's just like it's you just might have a bit more strain or stress on the body. So we have the opportunity to then facilitate this change, this uh, bodily you know transition for the for us to help, um, so that it doesn't have to be such a stressful and sleep disruptive period of time. Because to your point, we're not just doing this for fun, we're doing this because if we are in the kind of, um, uh, putting our heads in the sand around this, then some of the experience that we might have is an uptick of anxiety, poor sleep, fragmented sleep, difficulty with sleep onset, and otherwise. So you bring up a huge, huge area um, that is really, really important. And I think, you know, I'm just talking in generalities too around people of menstruating age. Then as you're transitioning through different periods of menopause, 
Um, and then to postmenopause, it's, you know, there's a lot there that we can learn about ourselves through tech. Molly, well, yeah, I love that answer. You're, you're very impressive with the, with the knowledge you have on sleep and I can see the passion shining through. And you mentioned Sachin Panda, which, you know, I've been a fan of him for a while. And the first company I was a part of, O-Waves, which is a circadian rhythm sure. startup. Um, we used to look at Sachin Panda's work and it's insane that you did a podcast with him. I'm looking forward to I know. I'm still like, this was That's just the other week. So I'm like really prioritizing the release of this episode. So this is a big, big deal. I mean, I just... I, I mean, thank you for giving me the time. I feel like your whole property right now, you're giving the human behavior show time, which is, I mean, Sachin Panda is, is big in this oh, space. And, I mean, we looked at circadian rhythms and what you've said is completely consistent with what I talk about. And I think what you said about if you know how good you can feel with sleep, um, you want to keep doing it, right? It's like a good addiction to have. And on the other side, I think performance as well. I think I'm super interested in the human performance space. How can we cognitively perform better? And sleep is the key driver. And I was working as a, uh, with a sleep for a while as well, for a few months, um, I was advising them and we're thinking of sleep coaching and all of that. And, and that was an interesting journey as well because how a sleep, their vision, their vision is to like compress sleep and how can you, the future of sleep being a kind of a vehicle for better performance. And that's why they partnered with Mercedes and you know, you partnered with a lot of athletes as well. And a lot of my clients that I sleep coach were entrepreneurs highly successful performing people who just wanted to know what are some of the things they can do or tweak, like you said, light in the morning, things like that, that they were unaware of to really have better cognitive performance. So I think that's super important for me. And then lately working at Crescent Health as well, um, that I'll probably announce on this podcast, I mean, recently acquired as well, which is, Amazing. you know, Molly and I are Crescent Health, which is, you know, great news, shows how big the sleep problem is. And now companies broader are looking at the sleep space and they're like, hey, how can we be in it? And Molly, before we started the podcast, we touched upon Apple and what they're doing and, you know, with this AI coach coming in and, you know, these companies really looking at wellness. I think the future is very personalized and like AI driven. And like you said, even with supplements, different things work for different people. And there's not just one thing or solution, right? Um, and often people just want to know one thing. And I know with my clients, I was A-B testing. Obviously, there's a few things that work for everyone, like light, for example, that's going to help everyone. But then there's a few things that it's very personalized yeah. and it's interesting to see, you know, we have genetic data and other stuff that comes out with our wearable data, where we can go with that. But, I, but I've loved kind of your overview of kind of sleep. And, and as we kind of draw the podcast to a close, I'd love to kind of know um, what, is, what is your vision with sleep as a skill? Where do you want to take it? What are some of the next steps? And also, where can people follow you and maybe sign up for some courses? Mm, yeah, so many great points. And I so love connecting with you because I feel that sense of excitement and passion and innovation of what's uh, what's here and what's coming. And I am so right there with you. I think it's so sad. I mean, I was just sharing with someone and I'm literally uh, on the wait list for, I don't know if you saw the Withings uh <laughs> So it's just funny that we're in this day and age. If you saw the Withings um, toilet, the new smart toilet, so you can live, uh, yeah, right? you can have a regular steady stream, no pun intended, of uh, hormonal <laughs> updates of what is happening with your hormones day in day out. I mean, this is like this is where this is for this year is supposed to be uh, being released. We'll see what happens. But I'm, I mentioned that because we're just in a crazy time of things that are coming, um, just really, really exciting things on the heels of chat GPT and just all that's, that's uh, in the space from a massive, uh, large data perspective. And 
we have the opportunity, I think, to also make sure that we're not lost in an over data world um, and that we're distilling this down, getting some of the key things that can make a difference. Because also, um, I think sleep is becoming this big business and there's a realization that we've got a problem and people want a solution. And some of the solutions that I see, and I get concerned because, I mean, I grew up with very poor, I grew up in a trailer, welfare, the whole thing, like really, you know, just that was my reality and did not have, I mean, barely had enough money for like, you know, real nutritious foods. I mean, I didn't have a lot of nutritious foods growing up. So all of those things, those foundations for wellness um, were impacted by financial caps. And so I do get concerned when I do see there's so many gadgets and gizmos out there um, that sometimes I just feel like could be such a waste of money. And fortunately, and I see a lot of them, I granted, like, you know, I'm such a fan of tech and, um, and all of this. And yet I also want to make sure I'm sharing for people the things that can really move the needle for them. Um, and I think some of the things that you've been speaking to are exactly those things. So in the stack of what can often make a difference, I mentioned that light, uh, the light dark cycle is a big one. Uh, temperature is right there as well as being really high up on that, um, on that spectrum. And something like eight sleep, chili, all of these things that we can bring in. Um, now I know that these are investments, um, but I do think what's really exciting about these things is while it could seem very bougie of like, really, do I need to be cooling off my bed? But I really like the um, analogy that has been drawn of these are actually could make the argument that it's more akin to how we likely would have slept in hunter gatherer days on the ground connected to nature. What would be one of the coolest places in nature would be on the ground and it would be consistently that way and adjusting throughout the course of the night and into the morning, which is what a lot of these um, cooling mattress pads are looking to do so that there's a kind of a dynamic range that's all mimicking nature. That's really what we're trying to do um, because we know that and going into the future of uh, sleep is a skill, what I see is getting part of the problem and part of the problem that I stand in is that back in 2001, the EPA released a study that found that the average person was spending around 93% of their time indoors. And that was in 2001, before a pandemic, you know, Netflix with like the auto changing of the, the episodes and all these fun things that could keep us inside. Um, I really believe that that is part of our um, our de-evolution of our relationship to our sleep-wake cycle, uh, because so much of what gets managed is the more outside you are, the more a lot of this just kind of gets handled from a, on a both a physiological and then a psychological impact by the amount of sun that you're getting, the nitric oxide that you're producing as a result of this, a series of biological changes that kind of just help facilitate. So you're not having to try so hard to sleep. Um, so what I foresee is that we have an opportunity to bring about um, kind of building biology in, and that's part of what we're starting to really carve out with sleep as a skill is more of that building biology information because we are, a lot of us are probably gonna still continue to spend a lot of our time indoors. I mean, I do it myself too, and I'm talking to you on a phone and all these things. Um, and of course we wanna still try to prioritize to get out and what have you, but how can we 
uh, set up our indoor environments to mimic as much of the rhythms of nature, um, remove some of the things that might be really detrimental to our health and well-being, and then further help facilitate our sleep. Um, so those are some of the things that I foresee, and what would that look like? We're talking um, our uh, smart homes where you know the lighting will automatically change by day into the night. The temperature will automatically change by day into the night. Hospitals are really in on this conversation too for wound healing and, and healing as, as a whole uh, in general. Uh, so all that to say that I think we're looking to our environment and how our environment can be our friend in cueing some of our behaviors. Because I, I see it time and time again for my clients, the more and more, and myself, the more and more we set up our environment to mimic what we would like our behaviors to look like, we tend to just kind of fall in line like sheep, you know, <laughs> it's the sun sets, suddenly it's nice and dark in our space. And then when the temperature goes down, our body, our heart rate goes down, our HRV can help to hopefully go up, our melatonin can go up and we can relax. And all of these things can kind of be automated versus the often living in this upside down world that I think a lot of us are. And I certainly had been one of those people for a long time, turn on all the lights at night and, you know, just run around and do lots of work and cognitively engaging tasks and all those things that are exact opposites to the things that we're looking to facilitate. Um, so that was a really long answer to your question, but I hope that gets to some of... No, that gets to yeah, the Yeah, right. And then blending I mean, that tech because I think there's an opportunity... What I, I see that. is like, you know, you get into an Uber and you you were not matched with an Uber driver that only slept three hours last night because it's all linked up and we have this level of understanding that um, sleep is just so crucial. It's akin to uh, drunk driving and the safety piece um, so that the more and more we have that available, the more and more we can make smart and informed decisions. Uh, insurance companies giving credits and benefits for you know well uh, a well managed sleep health relationship. Uh, you know there's just a lot that is coming down the pike. So I think it's an exciting time. And I also foresee, uh, lastly, sleep apnea testing becoming much more commonplace, and that every individual is the same way we get tested for you know our blood pressure routinely. We've never test our blood pressure one time in our life and make all kinds of, you know, uh, behavioral change or um, medicinal changes to that one readout, you would be tested multiple times. Same rules apply with things like sleep apnea and other sleep pathologies as well. I mean, smart automation is definitely the future. I love how kind of you've mapped it out because it's so much cognitive, you know, bandwidth to keep changing lighting yeah. and sound if it's not automatic, right? Um, Alexa can do so many things that we could easily, you know, automate to optimize our sleep. And it's funny because um, you say like, even my biggest sleep kind of, I guess, Achilles heel was marriage. My my wife being in the States, a five hour time difference. And, and I'll be transparent about it. My sleep wasn't as good in the last two years as it was sure. previously because I have to talk to her and anything I do. And I'm in the States right now. I'm having the best sleep because we are aligned. We sleep early, we wake up. So, so saving saving Dr. Sahib's sleep has is, is, is definitely been a mission this year, even though, you know, I coach clients. Sleep. So Molly, I have loved, I've loved your passion. I've loved you speaking about sleep and sharing your knowledge with a lot of listeners as well. And, and as we round up, I do want to ask you, where can people follow you? Because I mean, I think you're a big beacon of energy and light. And I think a lot of people want to be healthier after, after seeing Aww. you. And, 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 
I am interested in dermatology. This is going to be a bit of a curveball as we end in this last minute. Beauty sleep, something that's, you know, often famed. A lot of people, you know, talk about it. We know sleep has a massive impact on aging, your telomere length, you know, shortening if you're sleep deprived, um, even, you know, the formation of wrinkles. So is there anything you can share on that as we end and also with people? Yeah. Oh, so fantastic. And the feeling is mutual. Um, and I'm so happy for you with the, you know, being uh, reunited with your with your partner. That's a big deal. <laughs> we had a, one, an expert, Dr. Wendy Trexel, on the podcast, who's a great resource for couples in sleep because you bring up a great topic because that's a big one. There's the dramatic sleep divorce. People had called it before. Now they're trying to rebrand it Sleep Alliance. For some people that might need to um, physically be in separate rooms, if you know snoring or different, um, which hopefully we're dealing with, uh, but also different sleep schedules or other other things. But you speak to long distance relationships. Ugh, absolutely, can you know do a number? And I'm so happy that that's making a difference now for you with that change. Um, and then as far as how people can follow sleep as a skill. Sleepasaskill.com can act as a bucket for a lot of actions that you can take. Um, so you can go there, you can first take a sleep assessment, you know, put in some of the things that you're dealing with, with your sleep and then auto get back, um, things tailored to what can help with your particular issues with your sleep. Um, you know, so right away that you can start to make some changes and then that can also sign you up for our weekly newsletter, really passionate about our every Monday sleep obsessions. We've been sending that for over four and a half years, I believe it's at now. Um, so every Monday, we never miss a Monday. So we're really into uh, aimed, aiming to make this one of the most obsessive newsletters uh, for sleep on the planet. Um, so hopefully that's of interest for people and just free information. And that also includes our weekly, uh, now two episodes a week podcast with the Sachin Panda one coming out soon. Very excited about that. Uh, and so those are all steps you could take if you're also struggling, if you want more support. Uh, we do have our cohort programs uh, and one-on-ones. All of those are tracked with the Aura Ring. We find the observer effect. So it's known a known kind of phenomenon out of psychology that whenever people feel that they're being observed, we tend to, myself included, imagine just most humans, if they know that they're being watched, we tend to act a little differently. Um, and that seems to play in our favor as it relates to sleep, uh, often if it's in a safe and, uh, you know, environment. So, um, that's another option that you could take with your sleep. Now, lastly, beauty sleep. Oh my gosh. 110%. Um, Big topic. Uh, I'm actually the sleep advisor for Nobel Panacea, which is a skincare line designed by a Nobel laureate. So it brings in a lot of science into their, um, their, and I'm not saying their names just because not, not just to say that, but just only because uh, they're an example of companies that are really taking sleep seriously. So they have something called the chronobiology sleep mask that is playing into uh, educating people on the different stages of sleep that are happening throughout the course of the night and how that affects different stages of skin repair. Um, so even just looking at your skin and understanding that your skin is acting on a circadian rhythm. So all of our, I mean, to leave you with this thought, I think it's just so fascinating. I mean, it was only in 2017 that the Nobel Prize was given on this topic of better understanding how these clocks all work and facilitate and work in uh, tandem with each other and under the kind of guidance of our super nucleus. 
So all of these peripheral clocks and trillions of, you know, trillions of cells and clocks in every cell and organ in our body um, want to stay on time and want to be able to do their best work in a way that's uninhibited, and that includes our skin. So you really, if you are looking to be on this anti-aging, um, you know, kind of crusade, which most of us are, we would like to age with grace, absolutely beginning with sleep is just paramount. Um, and so that's an area of study that I think a lot of people would be fascinated with of the different steps and changes that happen to our skin um, and are really uh, require sleep to be a part of that process. I love it. So guys, this has been an absolutely fantastic podcast with Molly. So do get your beauty yes. sleep, follow <laughs> Molly. We talked about longevity, aging, sleep science, nutrition, um, behavioral science, which is the key to all of this. And also the possibilities of tech, wearable data and AI in the future. And I know at Crescent Health, we pivoted to even AI coaching. So yes. the future is really exciting, like Molly said to you today. And Molly, I love... And it's probably one of my favorite podcasts that I've, that I've done because all the, we have so we much do. in common in this space and, and, and hopefully we'll work together one day as well. hundred <laughs> percent. I would love to get you on the podcast too. You have just such a unique vantage point. I'm so grateful that you're standing in what's possible to work in, um, in alliance or be inform an alliance with tech and how that can help inform uh, the health decisions that people are making. So, you know, you're really just a beacon in this conversation. So I really appreciate it. I love that. I love meeting people with so much kind of, you know, enthusiasm as well. And that's why I brand myself as a digital doctor because like health digitalized. And that's what I kind of love. And, and I love, like got to connect with you as well. So Molly, thank you so much for coming on. And hopefully I think the audience is going to love this one. So take care everyone. That's it from the Human Behavior Show. We'll catch you on the next Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thanks, Molly. (laughs) Molly, thank you. Uh, Thank you for giving me your time. I know you have a call coming up right now. No worries. No worries at all. It's so it's with another client. So and I mentioned too that I had this before. So I think they're going to be fine with my couple minutes tardiness. (laughs) Amazing. Well, what I'll do is I'm going to clip it up. I'll publish it as well. Send you the link and I'll send you like short yeah. bits um, that I'll probably be posting on TikTok and Instagram with captions. So I think that's the way to go. Amazing. But yeah, I, I love, I mean, the energy is just, <laughs> you know, it's got my day oh, off to a great start. I feel the same. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for you. 